Hello, welcome to Primary Care Priest. This is our eighth episode. I'm Father Simeon. In the first several episodes, I endeavored to lay a foundation upon which we can understand everything that we could address in this series. Knowing how to find the way of healing, the authentic ancient way of Christ, which is the orthodox way and the oldest church in the world, that's one thing. But how do you begin to practically take spiritual steps? You may not be religious at all. You may have not been trying to live spiritually up to this point, or at least not for a while, or at least it hasn't been your priority. It doesn't matter where you are on this journey or in this process, but you have to start somewhere. And where you are now, if you are honest with yourself, is the place you need to start. From here, your life can change. You can heal, you can grow beyond where you can even imagine. The path of spiritual growth begins with having the right inner disposition, the right inner attitude that will open your heart to receive the grace that you need, the help that you need from God. God loves us, but God respects our individual freedom, the freedom he created us to have. If you want to cultivate your heart and find your spiritual depth, then invite God's presence into your heart to actively work within you. Your inner attitude in your heart will affect your rational mind and will affect your outer behavior and therefore affect your relationships. Begin inside yourself. Wash the inside of the cup and the outside will also be clean. How do we learn the inner disposition that can ignite the spiritual life within us? Well, from the one who is God himself. And though being God became one of us, a human being, to teach us the way. Christ sometimes taught through stories called parables that were simple, but with profound meaning. So I'm going to tell some of these stories over the next few episodes and talk about what they mean for us as we proceed along from here. Two men were praying in the temple in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. One was a religious man, a Pharisee, and the other man was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors have the reputation of not only collecting taxes for the Roman occupiers who oppressed the people, but also the reputation for taking extra money in addition to the taxes required to enrich themselves. The Pharisees stood and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Those who don't act according to justice, those people who steal other people's money, people that are unfaithful to their spouses, and well, thank you I'm not like that tax collector over there. I fast two times a week, and I dedicate a percentage of what I get to God. Now, the tax collector, he stood afar off from this Pharisee, and he kept his 
eyes lowered, not even feeling worthy enough to look up toward heaven. He hit his chest with his fist in anguish because of the bad things he knew he had done, and he prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. After telling the story, Jesus taught the hearers its meaning. Let me tell you, this tax collector went home in a right relationship with God rather than the Pharisee. Because everybody who builds himself up will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be lifted up. If you want to read the actual text that I paraphrased here, you can find it in the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the account of Jesus' life recorded by the Apostle and Evangelist Luke, that physician from Antioch. It's in chapter 18 of Luke's account. Our tendency as Americans, when we hear a story like this, might be, oh yeah, yeah, I know somebody just like that Pharisee. Somebody who puts people down while thinking that she is just perfect herself. Right, but that attitude that we have, that's opposite what the story is teaching us. The Pharisee is not somebody you know who makes you miserable or other people miserable. You are the Pharisee. I am the Pharisee. When I read it as a spiritual text, we all have a little Pharisee in us, and this parable is diagnosing our problem. This teaching is helping us to be honest with ourselves so that we can repent. We can turn away from being like that. We can change. And we can be more like the tax collector who, as bad as he might have been, sees himself honestly and asks God for help because he wants to change and he knows he needs help to do it. God is compassionate, and this prayer, though simple, Lord have mercy, recognizes our need for help and asks God for the help He already wants to give us. It's a prayer asking the God who loves us to pour out His love on us and to be there and work within us, and He already wants to do that. Right now in our society, it is popular to call other people out when we think they've acted in a way that doesn't conform to whatever the current popular set of non-religious dogmas are. First of all, we believe the dogmas that we are told that we are supposed to believe as a society. So if a man says something that is considered really racially insensitive, as an example, even though what was said may have not been intended to be taken that way and might have been open to several non-racist interpretations, a lot of people are going to gang up on the guy and make accusations and apply a label like racist, hate monger, inequality pusher, privileged patriarchal microaggressor, part of the problem of structural injustice, And people might call for him to lose his job or 
for his business to be boycotted to the point of bankruptcy or for his family to receive harassment and basically demand that he be punished in every way possible, even though maybe he didn't intend what he said to be taken the way it was. Or maybe, maybe he did. Who knows? That we don't live in a society that remembers forgiveness. It doesn't matter what he meant. Because what matters is how we take it, right? How it makes us feel. Because we don't want to feel bad and we just, we just can't handle that. And there may be a demand for an apology so that we can later criticize the apology as insincere or weak or too little too late. We've already applied the label and we want judgment. We want to stand on the pedestal and say, thank God or thank the universe, whatever that means. That I'm, I'm not like that man over there. I'm not like that woman over there. Look at me. I love, not hate. I accept, not condemn. I affirm, not reject. I'm a good person. Not like those other evil people over there. You see what happens here? Humility brings spiritual growth and healing. The opposite of humility is pride. And pride is narcissistic. It's egotistical. It's self-centered. It closes off growth. It prevents positive change. It keeps us from even seeing who we really are. Pride deludes us into thinking that this fake self in our imagination is the real self. It breeds a false humility, a self-deception that really makes us unteachable and incapable of spiritual growth. By judging others as more evil than we are, we set ourselves up on a pedestal of self-righteousness. We put down others to lift up ourselves and to justify ourselves with regard to what we think and do. The more educated we are, the more sophisticated our justification sometimes. But that high up on that pedestal of ego, that puts us up a long way to fall when we're humbled. You know, sometimes through physical sickness or some other external circumstance or, or some kind of experience that we have, we, we are humbled. And we wonder, you know, why me? Especially if we think we're so good. I don't deserve this. When that forced humility that comes up on us, on our, on our body, or on our mind, or on our emotions, it's, it's really something we should receive as a gift to teach us inner humility. Because we haven't been cultivating humility on our own. We try to lift up ourselves and we're humbled. But that, that humbleness... That's an opportunity for us to learn real humility so we can humble ourselves and then really be lifted up. But if we cultivate humility in our hearts, instead of having pride, God will raise us up by His power and He will help us 
to help us become who we can become and be capable of doing what we can do. And, and this is only possible with the cooperation of divine power. And that divine power, that divine presence, experiencing that and the fruits of that, the effects of that is possible only with humility. If we humble ourselves by recognizing our own wrongs, just being honest with ourselves, about ourselves, our own prejudices, our own mistakes, our own ignorance about what we might not know, our own stupidity when we know what we should do, but we don't do it. We know what's right, but we reject it. If we're honest with ourselves, our own sins, those self-inflicted wounds on the soul that, that also often hurt other people, all those things that bring evil into existence that we do in our experience, if we're honest with ourselves, then we find it harder to judge other people. How do you judge somebody else as being worse than you when you have so much to deal with in your own soul? So many scars from your own poor decisions. The times that you victimized yourself by your decisions or other people. If we don't realize how sick we are, we don't look for the physician. We don't look for the healing. We need this self-honesty. Like this poor tax collector who recognized who he was and asked for mercy. So humble yourself. Be honest with yourself. And if anything, be compassionate with others. Love them. Forgive them. Help them as a, as a fellow patient in a spiritual hospital, as a fellow traveler who's not perfect either, trying to live the spiritual way in this world. We have to encourage one another and be compassionate with one another because we're really all in this boat together. Don't be a judging, pointing finger at somebody else, but be an example and an inviting light that other people can see and want to follow. If you were going to call someone out, go stand in front of a mirror. Call out the person looking back at you for that one's failure and that one's imperfections. Because that one can do better and could have done better. But the good news is, with God's help, really can do better and can be better. From this point on. And don't be honest so that you can just wallow in despair and anxiety about how bad you are. That's not the purpose of self-honesty. The purpose of self-honesty is being honest with who you really are and what you do so that you can repent. You can experience that change. You use your will to change and God responds to that and works alongside you and can work in you to change your life, to heal you. 
this real humility that we constantly have to cultivate. And wherever, wherever we are, how much humility we think we have, we're not nearly as humble as we can be. This constant cultivation of humility, seeing ourselves as no better than anybody else, that is so that we can be lifted up through this repentance and we can be on that way of real growth and transformation. You may have met patients who waited unnecessarily. They waited until they were extremely ill before seeking medical attention instead of getting medical attention early. Or you may have friends who finally, after a really, really long struggle, finally realized that they need to talk to someone about their trauma or their anxiety or their depression or maybe have waited a long time with lots of excuses before really looking at how unhealthy their relationship with someone is. Well, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to admit that you need help from God. God knows that we all need help. Every one of us. Sometimes we have friends who know it, but we just don't listen because of our pride. The sooner that we admit it, that we need mercy and help, purification, direction, strength, empowerment, healing in our hearts and change in our relationships and in our lifestyle, the sooner we make progress on the path of growth and we start becoming and doing according to our potential. We should always try to be aware of our spiritual illness and recognize that we need God's presence and His life-changing power all the time. This is really a daily lifestyle of being honest, of looking into ourselves, of seeing what we need to shed, of ridding ourselves of those things that bring the experience of death into our lives, and we ask God to bring us life. Since you have so much sickness within you to heal, you may find yourself during this process more compassionate toward your own family members and friends and co-workers and, and the patients that you deal with and the family members of patients who aren't perfect either. Remember this story. The publican, the tax collector, and the Pharisee. This is Father Simeon. Thank you for listening to Primary Care Priest. If you found this series helpful, please share it. May God bless your journey.